I just got back from Antiochian Village uh, last night, or Friday late afternoon, and we had a really good time there. And it sort of has to do with my homily today. Metropolitan Philip had uh, Paul Mayendorf from St. Vladimir Seminary as one of the speakers, and he spoke to us the first day we were there at the clergy symposium. He spoke to us about uh, his overall subject had to do with the clericalization of the church. That is, the clerics, the priests, uh, and the deacons uh, doing everything and the people not doing anything and that it was supposed to be that way. And many of you grew up in an environment where the priest did everything. I've been in parishes where honestly, folks, people are afraid, lay people are afraid to say a prayer because the priest has got to say it. If I'm not there to bless the food for crying out loud, somebody can bless it. You don't have to have me there. My prayers aren't any more important than yours are. Yes, I have unique functions. I was ordained to do some things. But for goodness sakes, all of you were ordained too. When were you ordained? Well, some of you weren't very conscious when you were ordained, and some of you were screaming and crying when you were ordained because you got ordained to your order in the church the day you got baptized. And some of you got baptized as adults, but the great majority of you don't remember your baptism. Well, you need to start remembering it because that has a lot to do with what I'm going to talk about today in this homily. Again, the homily will be on the epistle. And the epistle has to do with what, at least in part, what happened to you at your baptism. Something, a gift, was given to you at your baptism. I suppose that Nick Nasser's the oldest person in the church today. And Nick, I imagine you weren't conscious at your baptism. I don't know. But he has carried with him all of these years a gift. It was given to him when it was said, the seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some things were given to Nick. Amongst other things, he was given a radiant angel, and he was given a gift or gifts. And those gifts need to be given, used in the church. And that's what our epistle is about today. You who have been baptized in Christ have been given something. You've been given a gift. It was given to you at your baptism. And by the way, just so you know the rationale behind this, it is one reason why you need to be a baptized and chrismated Christian in order to participate in the life of an Orthodox church. How can you participate in the life of the church according to this epistle if you don't have a gift to exercise? Now, I was planning this homily, you know, and I was, I was going to make a big deal out of it. You know, the, the particular homily, to, or the particular epistle today starts, you know, we always stick brethren on the front of the epistle. It isn't there, but brethren, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And I thought, oh boy, I'm going to give a homily on let us use them. And now you heard, the, you heard what it said, having gifts that have been given according to the grace given to us, that was at what? At your baptism, having gifts, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And I was going to make a big deal out of this. I was going to show you how bright I am and how knowledgeable and how educated and all that baloney. And I was going to say, now what we have here is a hortatory subjunctive. 
you know, uh, I like grammar and all that kind of stuff, whether it's in English or Greek or whatever. And, and I thought, this, let us use them. That was going to be the heart of what I was going to, let us use them. And we've got this powerful, hortatory, exhortative, subjunctive here. And it's not being done quite, but let's do it. Okay, let's, let's really fulfill it. So I thought, well, dummy, uh, father dummy, I thought you better go and look and make sure that that in the text is really a subjunctive. Well, I went to the text and I looked at it and I thought, oh my goodness, it isn't even in the text at all. And it, though in the bulletin it doesn't come out that way and that's all right. But then I went back and looked at a, two or three English translations and I realized, oh, they've got it in italics. It isn't even there. And if you were to read this very literally out of the Greek text, it would read like this. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, if prophecy is prophesied. And it goes on and lists these things. But it doesn't have that let us use them. Now, that's not a bad translation, and almost every translation does that. If you looked at 10 English translations, it would be pretty much the same. I mean, you've got to put something in there just to make the thing flow. But I thought, well, we better work on this context a little bit. So I need to read the context of this epistle to you. Says St. Paul, really an interesting statement. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now that word, beseech. That means, I plead with you, virtually as if on bended knee. I am pleading with you. Oh boy, do I understand why he said that. It was a long time ago that he said it. And I'm doing the same thing with you today before I'm through. I plead with you. I beg of you. If I got to get down on my knees and beg of you, I'll do it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. You know, beseech is such a nice term. It's okay, but it isn't one we use every day, is it? I plead. I beg. I'm doing anything I can to convince you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, totally, completely acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, that could be rendered, which is the only reasonable thing to do. It's the only re reasonable thing to do is to present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, now, we're still not into the epistle for today. We're into the context. For I say, through the grace given to me. See, St. Paul had grace given to him, too. What particular gift was given to St. Paul in particular? What gift was given to him at his baptism? The gift of apostleship. God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, etc. He was given a gift. So he says... For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to everyone, to each one, to each one a measure of faith. For, we're still not quite at the epistle yet. For as we have many members in one body, 
but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. Then the epistle, brethren, having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophesy, in ministry, in teaching, in exhortation, in giving, in leading, in showing mercy, and these various things that were listed in the epistle and that you have in your bulletin in front of you. Now, I have had a great compassion for many years. As a matter of fact, probably since about 1985 or 6, I have had a burning, burning, overriding compassion above absolutely everything else in my life. Absolutely above everything else. And that is that the church be like the church. In 1985 and 6, end of 5, beginning of 6, I caught a glimpse, just a glimpse, maybe we never catch a whole lot more than that, but I caught a glimpse of the church. My journey to orthodoxy, I, did I say 85 or 86? Totally wrong. 65 or 66. Way back then, 40 years ago, I got a glimpse of the church. It absolutely changed the direction of my life and the life of many of the men and women with whom I was serving then. Because we looked at what was in the scriptures and we said, oh my goodness, that is not what we're seeing. And we must give ourselves to the church. That's what Jesus left. That's what Jesus established. And so we set out on that journey to find the church. And it was that journey that led me and my friends ultimately to the Orthodox faith because we said, here's where we find the church. But one thing we missed when we came here, one thing we didn't see is what Professor Meyendorf spoke on. We found that there is very often an over-clericalization in the church. The priest supposed to do everything, or the priest and the deacon are supposed to do everything. And that's not the way it is supposed to be. To each one of you has been given something. To each one of you, to Gabby and to Louis and to, and to Michael, they have been given something. To every one of you have been given something, and it's something to be used in the church. And I don't disagree with this, with that what I was going to call the hortatory subjunctive. I don't disagree with that. Then let us use them. But I would even go back to the stronger statement at the beginning of the epistle. I plead with you. I beg of you by the mercies of God. I beg of you. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And in so doing, all these things that he lists are things that he thinks ought to be done if you present your body a living sacrifice, totally, completely acceptable unto God, which is the only reasonable thing to do in the light of all things. Okay, we're going to get down to some nitty-gritty. I started very deliberately thanking Vlad for being here today. Uh, Valerie's gone for two weeks. Next Sunday, we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel. Next Sunday, Zanette has got this, the assignment. But next Sunday, I'll tell you what we're going to do, and we're going to practice it today. Next Sunday is Transfiguration. Okay? It's one of the great feasts of the church. It's one of the 12 great feasts. August, I'm sorry, August 6th. I want to tell you what you are. Now, are you listening to me? 
you're the soprano section. On that Sunday, three people are going to do the choir work. It's going to be a trio over there. And the rest of the choir is going to scatter themselves amongst you. Why? Because they're going to be there to help encourage you to sing. Because on that Sunday, we don't have the powerful Vlad voice. And on that Sunday, we don't have the powerful Valerie voice. On that Sunday, we've got your voice. I'm not going to quit, folks, until I hear you sing when you're supposed to. You're not supposed to sing for everything. There is a reason for chanters. There is a reason for choir. There's even a reason for choir directors. But there's a reason for the people to sing. Part of Professor Mayendorf's talk even included that. A whole lot of it was given to the participation of the people. This is not a service that I do. It's not a service that Deacon Tom and I do. It's a service that we do. He leads it. The deacon leads the service. The priest actually does. I mean, I don't lead it. He's the one who says, in peace, let us pray to the Lord, right? He's the one who says, bow your heads unto the Lord, right? But who's he telling to do these things? When he says, in peace, let us pray to the Lord, he's not talking to the choir. He's not talking to the chanters. He's talking to us all. He says, in peace, let us pray to the Lord. And what are you going to say? Come on, what are you going to say? You're going to pray. And you're going to pray, Lord, have mercy. Only you're going to do it to a melody. Why do we do it to a melody? Because it's so much easier to pray together if you have a melody. So what you're going to do on that Sunday and every Sunday, and even today and next Sunday, uh, I'm going to keep after you. Folks, I'm not going to give up. If I have to rise up out of my coffin, I'm going to sit up and I'm going to say, for crying out loud, people, will you sing? You got a voice, use it, participate. We don't say in the service, let me offer up a mercy of peace, a sacrifice of praise. I say, let us offer up. It's we who offer this. It isn't they. It isn't someone nondescript. It is we. But it isn't just in the music. It's in the whole life of the church. It isn't, it, it's a privilege, not just a gift. Being an altar server, that's a good thing. But it, it wasn't the grace given at your baptism. Something else was, it's good to be up there. I like that. But each one of you has something to give. It, it's because it was given. What do you do with that which is given to you? Well, what you do with that which is given to you, you give it. You give what is given. And so you use it to participate. And then St. Paul, after he has said, I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg of you on bed and knee, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, completely acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, and then having these gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. 
If prophecy, let us prophesy. Uh, and it doesn't even say in proportion to our faith. That, that's thrown in there too. It's okay. It fits. And the truth is, if you want to know what prophesying is in the New Testament, it's what I'm doing to you right now. That's what New Testament prophecy is about. It's not foretelling what's going to happen to the end of the world. There's something that has to do with prophecy, and particularly in the Old Testament. But prophesying is the New Testament. It's the inspired proclamation of the Word of God, and it comes to you by gift. And when you say, well, Father, what do you run around there for like that? Why don't you just read a text? Well, number one, I can't do that because I don't have that gift. And number two, what I do during this part of the service is I do what I do by gift. Okay? It's prophesying. And it says in proportion to what's been given. And you, you say, well, why do you work so hard at it? Because I work at it. I prepare for it and I work at it. When I was a young man, I used to lo lose about five pounds on a given sermon. Why? Because it's work. The worst thing I can imagine is for you to have to sit there bored to tears while I get through this part of the service. I want you to be exhorted. I want you to be lifted up. I want you to be inspired. I want you to make a choice. I want you to make a decision while I'm talking. And the decision I want you to make today is that you're going to participate in every way that you possibly can in the life of the church because that's how God intended it. He didn't intend you to be just sitters. That's not your gift. Or it's not just your gift to be a stander or a sitter is to argue whether we ought to stand or sit. It's to participate. Okay? If service, if that's what your gift is, some of you have been given the gift of service. Deacon Basil Ritchie. Talk about somebody with a gift of service. Usually got here before I did. Didn't feel he was having to do more than somebody else. He was just doing what his gift was. His gift is service. He served. He who contributes with liberality. God loves cheerful givers, folks. If God has given you the gift of giving, for goodness sakes, give liberally. He hasn't given everybody that great gift. Some of you, is, you just barely scrape by. You haven't been given a gift of giving. But some of you have. And you think you were given the gift of giving to take care of yourself. For goodness sakes, that's not the truth. If God has put you in a position where you can give, it's by his gift. Isn't that right? Or is it by your brains? Ooh, I'd be really careful there. I'd be pretty careful about taking credit if you happen to be one of those who makes significant money. I'm old enough to remember there were men with Ph.D. degrees standing in soup lines in the Great Depression because they couldn't find a job and they were willing to harvest grapes and happy to have the job because things were really tough. I was born on one of the worst days of the whole Depression, October 24th, 1932. It wasn't a great time in the economic life of this country. And many people who lived then realized that when you did well, it was by the gift of God. We don't pray, give us this day our daily bread, just 
to be formal. We pray it because we believe it. He who gives aid with zeal. He who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, there's always people who have the gift of giving mercy. But once in a while you get one who says, okay, I'll do it. Nobody else is going to do it. I'll be merciful. How sad. Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Folks, every one of you has been given a gift. From the littlest baptized child in this parish to the oldest person in here. You have been given a gift. You have been given what you need to make the life of this parish flow. It'll never flow because of your priest. Actually, your priest would refuse to do it because I'm not going to do everything. And I wouldn't if I could because it's against what I believe with a passion. You have been given a gift. I beseech you. I beg of you. If necessary, I'll get down on my knees and plead with you. Present your body a living sacrifice totally and completely acceptable unto God which is the only reasonable thing to do don't be conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind and take that gift take what's been given and give it in every way you possibly can and with all your heart never flagging in your zeal hang in there and may the grace of the God who has given us this grace, bless us and keep us that this place may show forth the power of God in this city.